Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to episode number seven of the Believe in Minnesota Football podcast presented by the Believe Podcast Networks. I'm your host, Tony Liebert, and you can follow me on Twitter at Tony Liebert. That is L-I-E-B-E-R-T. Oh boy. For today's episode, um, we got a lot to talk about. We will be recapping what the absolute heck just happened to the Gophers in their shocking 10-14 upset on homecoming against the Bowling Green Falcons. Um, I will be reacting to the game intelligently, not emotionally. Um, We'll be talking about what exactly happened to uh, Tanner Morgan, Mike Sanford, and the Gophers' offense as a whole. Um, We'll be Next, then we'll also talk about what this loss means for the Minnesota football program and uh, P.J. Fleck, because unfortunately this is one of those type of losses. Um, Lastly, we'll look ahead to the rest of this 2021 Minnesota football season and talk about what this loss means going forward. All right, what the absolute heck just happened? Um, the Gophers suffered a 10-14 loss against Bowling Green on homecoming. Um, it is Bowling Green's first Power 5 victory, a win against a Power 5 team since September 26th of 2015. Since 2018, This is Bowling Green's third win against an FBS program, the other two coming against Akron and Central Michigan. Um, If you listened last week, I kind of went into detail about how putrid Bowling Green has been over the last three seasons, so I'll not go deep into that. I think everyone's aware of that after watching the game, Um, but we'll go into more the Gophers side of of the game. Um, I feel like the biggest uh, takeaway or talking point from the game is Tanner Morgan's performance. Um, He is a veteran quarterback. Uh, He started out really slow this year and honestly kind of slow under Mike Sanford last year. Um, He looked terrific in 2019 under Kirk Soraka. He just really has not been able to mesh quite yet with Mike Sanford, and it was... Uh, it was the bottom of the barrel. It, w- it couldn't have gotten any worse um, Saturday afternoon. Tanner Morgan was 5 for 13 
for 59 yards, zero touchdowns, and two interceptions. Um, that is the fewest passing yards in his career. Um, the second fewest came in 2018, his first year as a starter against Wisconsin when he threw for 124 yards. Um, it is his fifth career start with zero touchdowns. Um, he had zero against Colorado this year. Um, he had one game with zero last year. In 2019, he had zero games with zero touchdowns. And then his first year as a starter in 2018, he had two games. Um, this is his third career. That was his third career game with two interceptions. Um, one of those games was in 2018 against Northwestern. Um, he had zero of those games in 2019, and he had one of those games last year against Iowa. Um, on the ground, he ha technically had 10 carries for 10 yards in the box score, um, but four of those uh, technically were sacks for um, 30 for a 37-yard loss. So technically, uh, Morgan had six carries for 47 yards, and... Um, Four sacks, which would by far be one of his best career days running the football, uh, which is kind of ironic given how poorly he threw the ball. Um, but going more in depth to his passing, two of his completions came on the very first drive of the game. If you remember, to, he had a 21-yard pass to Brevin Spanford and a 9-yard pass to Chris Ottman-Bell, where later it came out that was the play that he got hurt on. So those two completions for 30 yards came on the first drive. So that means, and those were his only two attempts on the first drive. So that means if you take out the first drive of the game, he uh, completed two passes on 11 attempts for the remainder of the game for 29 yards. Just let that sink in. I, I don't really need any analysis on that. That is just... Putrid. Uh, it just, you can't really get much worse than that. Um, so on the, like, I, I, I can't tell you what happened to Tanner Morgan. He looked like an NFL caliber quarterback um, in 2019. And uh, he just doesn't look like himself anymore. He's questioning every throw he makes, every decision he makes. Um, on the season, he has... He's 38 for 72 passing for 540 yards, three touchdowns, and two picks. Um, we played four games already. Those are just not good season stats. Those are like a Oklahoma quarterback's one-game stats. Um, I, I hope Tanner can turn it around. There's still stuff left to play for in this season, um, but... He just does not look good, plain and simple. Uh, I don't think I really need to keep bashing him, but I'm pretty sure he's aware he hasn't played well either. Um, I, I have no idea what's wrong with him. I don't think anyone does. I don't even know if he does. Um, but kind of looking to the future, we saw maybe a glimpse of that. Um, Cole Kramer, um, Eden Prairie native, came into the game. Uh, first career carry. He took... Uh, 20 yards to the house was it 20 yards uh, it was around 20 yards um, um, so I guess the question is after that 
is he the backup? Um, well, I don't believe he's the backup because before the season, the rumor was that he was kind kind of going going to replace that Seth Green role as the Wildcat quarterback, the rushing specialist. Um, so I, I don't have a confirmation, but I believe Zach Anikstead is still the backup. If you were to ask PJ, um, after the game, he was asked if he even considered making a quarterback change, and he said that didn't even cross his mind yet. Um, he said he'd look at the film, obviously, but he made it seem like it would take a lot for him to make a quarterback change mid-game. Um, I, I have no idea if uh, that means it'll take a lot for him to make a quarterback change game to game, um, but... Obviously, I think Annex Dead's the backup, and then um, true freshman Ethan uh, Kaliuk Manis. Um, he also is there. I, he hasn't gotten really many reps in the preseason and the off season. I would assume as a true freshman, but um, he's kind of the hope for the future, I guess. But um, I don't have the answer if the Gophers should make a quarterback change because um, we'll kind of get into it. Uh, the system that Tanner Morgan's running, some could blame that. Um, some could blame the uh, plays that are being called. Uh, it's uh, Football is an interesting game because you can't always blame it on the player um, because sometimes the player can't make the decisions that he needs to make. Um, so I won't... <laughs> they would have even scored a touchdown. Um so kind of looking at uh, Sanford's career as a play caller, say if Tanner needs to be benched, um, I personally would keep rolling him out there. I feel like if you bench him, it almost uh, you're sending a message to your team that you kind of gave up on the season. Um, and I, I think that's a bad message to send because there's still a lot of play, to play for in the season and a lot to play for to build on for future seasons. This Loss is obviously a huge pill to swallow for any Gophers fan and any Gophers player. Um, but even though Tanner hasn't played well, everyone has their bad streaks. Um, I, I would keep rolling them out there. Um, so I, I started to talk about it, but we'll talk about Mike Sanford Jr. Um, and his play calling. Seems like everyone's talking about it on Twitter. Um He's kind of the man to blame, I guess. Uh, I, I don't know if that's rightfully so. Um, I'll, I'll kind of put some um, numbers to the context of his um, career as a football play caller. Um, so, in Saturday's game, the Gophers had 45 carries and only 13 pass attempts. You can take with that information with what you want. Um, they had 13 total drives, um, and earlier, like I said, Tanner was 2 for 2 on the first drive. So that means on the 12 preceding drives, the Gophers had 11 pass attempts. 11 pass attempts on 12 drives. Um, I guess he got a little, uh, fancy bringing out Kramer for the Wildcat, um, you can think uh, what you want with that. If you thought that was creative, they clearly scored a touchdown on that. I don't know if um, he still is only uh, 39 years old, which is kind of remarkable given how many 
um, stops he's had throughout his career. Um, but so he has been a um, offensive coordinator, uh, quarterback coach, or head coach every season since 2014. So he's basically called plays every year since 2014. Um, in 2014, um, he was at uh, Boise State, and in 14 games, um, his quarterback completed 70.8% of his passes. Um, he threw for 280.4 yards per game. He had 23 touchdowns and 14 INTs. His quarterback was Grant Hendrick. Um, as a team, they averaged 39.7 um, points per game that season. Um, as we kind of look through every season, you'll quickly find out that that was by far the best uh, statistical season that a Mike Sanford offense has had. Um, in 2015 at Notre Dame, as their offensive coordinator, um, on, uh, while Deshaun Kaiser was their uh, quarterback, a name college football fans might recognize, um, Kaiser completed 62.9% of his passes for 258.5 yards per game. He had 21 touchdowns and 10 INTs. Um, that was still a good year. They averaged 34.2 points per game. Then the following year in 2016, um, same quarterback, Kaiser, came back. Um, he, he completed um, less uh, percentage of his passes at 58.7. Um, he had less yards per game at 254.3. But he did have um, more touchdowns and uh, fewer INTs at 26-9. and um, but as a team, they averaged 30.9 points per game, which would be um, 3.7 uh, fewer than the previous year. 3.3 um, fewer. Uh, I'm clearly not good at math. Um, then the next year, uh, he took over at as head coach at Western Kentucky. Um in 2017, with Mike White as his quarterback, um, he completed 65.7% of his passes um, with the most uh, yards per game through the air during his play-calling career at 335, and he had 26 touchdowns and 8 INTs, 25.5 points per game. Um, the following year, with a combination of three quarterbacks, um... The completion percentage, passing yards, touchdowns, and INTs all were in the negative compared to the year before. And they only averaged 21.1 yards per game. And that would be mean from 2014 to 2018, his offenses decreased in yards per game or points per game every single season. Um, the following year, after he was let go at Western Kentucky, he took over as offensive coordinator. At Utah State with Jordan Love at quarterback, completed 61.9% of his passes, 279.1 yards per game, and then he had 20 touchdowns and 17 INTs, um, averaged 29.2 points per game, um, and then last year with Tanner Morgan with the Gophers, uh, completed 57.9% uh, percent of his passes, uh, 199.1 yards per game, seven touchdowns and five picks, um, 27.3 points per game. 
And then in this this season, every single one of those numbers are down, um, and his points per game are down. So um, since his first stint as an offensive coordinator in 2014 with Boise State, um, Mike Sanford-led offenses have decreased in points per game every single season um, up until 2018, and then jumped up to 29.2 in that year with Jordan Love, and then decreased every year since. Um, so, I mean, he has a large sample size at this point of his career, um, and I'll, I'll never talk about another man's job, but, um, the, the numbers don't lie, uh, his offenses have not been great, he has a very large sample size, now 11 games calling plays with the Gophers, um, Tanner Morgan has regressed dramatically, um, I would assume most people listening to this and most people who watch the game um, believe that changes need to happen on offense no matter what it is. Something needs to change. You can't just keep rolling that uh, unit that we just witnessed on Saturday um, score 10 points against Bowling Green. You can't roll that unit out again with no changes. I don't care if Chris Hotman-Bell got hurt. I don't care if Coquif was banged up. You just cannot do that again. Um, but I, 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 don't, I don't know what to think, honestly. Um, I'm trying not to uh, react emotionally, like I said earlier, because it's hard not to after watching a game like that. Um, it wasn't just Mike Sanford in the passing game. Um, and Tanner Morgan that led to a disappointing day for the Gophers offense. Um, The offensive line played poorly. Um, In the first three weeks of the season, Bowling Green had eight total sacks, um, and Minnesota allowed four Bowling Green sacks on Saturday as an offensive line. Um, They just have dramatic um, inconsistencies, this group. Um, the uh, whole second quarter and the start of the third quarter against Ohio State, they look like one of the best units in the country. Um, and then against Miami of Ohio, it was a lot like this week. They looked inconsistent. Um, they were there would be drives where they looked dominant, but they looked a lot of up and down play. And then against Colorado, they bounced back with a truly just absolute like bloodbath of a performance they just dominated and bullied Colorado from start to finish and then in this game they reverted back to their old ways they the um first half of the third quarter they looked very good they looked dominant um Trey Potts was running down the field if you remember that's when he had that long run um that was on the Cole Kramer touchdown the, the they were making holes getting getting a big push um but then after that, they reverted back to their old ways that they saw in the first half. Um, when I look at this group, they're obviously very talented. They go six or seven linemen deep. And I, what I find interesting is there isn't um, often rotations along the offensive line. If you look at any level, um, that's usually one of the positions that you need to gel with the guys around you and – you need to play the whole game with them and, like, uh, kind of rub off each other with your play. Like, you get in a rhythm. 
and uh, the Gophers have been rotating uh, this year. Curtis Dunlap has uh, rotated in every once in a while. Um, Cole Keith's obviously playing as like an extra lineman at times in the jumbo package. Um, but I think it could be hard for some of those guys to uh, to uh, gel and mesh with their uh, teammates and get in a rhythm. I mean, I played offensive line in high school, and uh, 5A Minnesota is a lot, of, a lot different than Big Ten football, but um, I knew that rotating, it's kind of hard to get in a rhythm as an offensive lineman. So I'm not um, saying that's the reason why, but it definitely could be. And um, I'm kind of curious to see if they change anything up with that going forward into the rest of the season. Um Obviously, another uh, big talking point was the head coach, P.J. Fleck, and kind of his uh, in-game decisions. Um, the most puzzling for me um, was his decision to go for it on fourth down on his own 29-yard line with 10 minutes left in the second quarter. Um, you were playing Bowling Green, Mr. Fleck. You're not playing Ohio State. You're not playing Penn State. You're not playing Iowa or Wisconsin. You're playing Bowling Green. If you have to go for it on fourth down in your own 29-yard line against a team that has three victories, three victories over FBS programs in the last three seasons, if you are telling your team you have to go for it on your own 29-yard line with 10 minutes left in the second quarter, that is setting a terrible precedent. You're practically admitting that you need to pull out your bag of tricks to beat Bowling Green. And then he kind of just throws away his timeouts just willy-nilly. And that just annoys me so much. Um, he, he called the timeout before that play. Like, why are you putting so much emphasis on a random drive in the second quarter against Bowling Green? Like... Just punt the ball. It's not that hard. Just punt the ball. Um, and then later in the first half, when there's 40 seconds left on the clock, uh, I think the Gophers had one or two timeouts. Um, a third obviously would have been nice instead of just wasting it randomly in the second quarter. Um, and they just decided to take a knee against Bowling Green and be like, oh, we're happy trailing, going into halftime against Bowling Green. That's just odd to me. Um, listen, I, I'm the biggest P.J. Fleck fan as the next guy. Um, as a 20-year-old fan of the Gophers, um, he's the best that uh, we've ever had for in my life. Um, he makes the program relevant. Um, he makes the program exciting. He gives me hope for stuff more than like a eight-win season and a trip to the uh, Valero uh, Holiday Bowl. Um, but I I just continue to be flabbergasted and flummoxed by P.J. Flex's in-game coaching decisions. Um, he just makes some decisions that just make a person scratch their head and... He he coaches with his with his heart a lot more than his brain, and I mean I'm just not going to t 
to continue to bash him, but it's just it's gotten to a point where it's just frustrating to watch. Um, he just co- he got out coached by Bowling Green. It it just that was just one of the worst in game coaching performances I've ever I've ever seen. There's just zero adjustments. They just continued doing the same thing over and over again. Or the one saying like what like a, a maniac or being a psycho is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. That's kind of what he did against Bowling Green. But um, it's just lack of adjustments and just decision-making. It just baffles me. Um, so after t- uh, Saturday's game, um, that P.J. Fleck has played 10 games against FCS or Group of Five opponents. That's... Uh, FBS teams not in the big conferences. He's played 10 games against those opponents. Um, six of them have been by, decided by seven points or less. That just cannot happen. That's 10 games against teams that you have a significant talent advantage that you just have not shown it. Um, everyone's going to say that he's just a conservative coach in those situations, but there becomes a point where you just can't have... Uh, those level of excuses anymore like you just need to fix it plain and simple like that just cannot happen I don't care who you are you should not be in the big time doing that um but at the end of the day there's plenty of successful coaches at the college level that just willingly know they need to have good coordinators um I think a great example is Ed Orgeron at LSU um he, the only time he really has been that successful at LSU, especially for their standards when they won the national championship, was because he had uh, Joe Brady as the offensive coordinator, who now is the offensive coordinator for the Panthers and about to get an NFL head coaching job. And Dave Aranda was his defensive coordinator, who's now the head coach at Baylor. So... Uh, Unfortunately, I think P.J. Fleck might be in the same uh, boat, no pun intended. Um, he just uh, he needs to surround him with surround himself with coordinators that know what they're doing. Um, I think he, I would hope that he can admit that. Um, and I, I don't think it's it's a negative necessarily. Um, he knows what he's good at. He's good at recruiting. He's good at motivating. Um, he, he's a player's coach. Uh, it's just. His in-game coaching, it just blasphemous, plain and simple. I don't mean to sound like Stephen A. Smith with all these random words, but I'm just continually, continuously just disappointed and baffled. Um, uh, another head coach would, uh, would be even Penn State, James Franklin. Uh, he stole our offense coordinator, obviously, but... Um, he's needed to surround himself with good offensive coordinators. He's kind of the same guy. He fires up his players. He's a good recruiter, but he just isn't that great of an in-game coach. Um, there's probably some other guys I'm forgetting, um, but it's not out of the ordinary. It's not a bad thing. I just hope that um, P.J. Fleck can admit that going forward. Um, uh, back to the, kind of the offensive performance Um an excuse that will be brought up and has been brought up was uh, Chris Bell's injury. Um, he got hurt early on the first drive, like I said earlier. Um, after that, 
catch on the first drive. There was one single completion to a wide receiver the rest of the game. So one, uh, it was a nine-yard catch to Daniel Jackson. One completion to a wide receiver after the first drive of the game. Um, I don't know if that's Morgan's decision-making, Sanford's play-calling, or the wide receiver's performance. But kind of a trio of all three of those, that just can't happen. I don't care whose fault it is. Um, so the running game, which was one of the few uh, positives uh, from the uh, offensive performance, the Gophers had uh, 45 carries for 182 yards and a touchdown on the ground. That's four yards per carry as a team. Uh, Trey Potts played well again. 27 carries for 141. Um, Buck Irvin kind of wasn't able to get going after his breakout performance last week. He only had four carries for eight yards. And then uh, Cole Kramer, he came in, he had two carries for 22, and he had that touchdown. Um, and Tanner Morgan looked good running the ball too. Uh, probably his best game running the ball as a gopher. He had that one fumble, but... His uh, scrambles and his QB keeper on that fumble, he t- ended with six carries for 47 yards. So, I mean, the running game's not the problem. Um, I mean, when you run the ball 45 times a game, I hope you get 182 yards. But um, there's clearly uh, stuff to build off in the running game. And um, I would assume whoever's calling plays the rest of the year will continue to lean on that. Um, but the the, the uh, running backs and just the running game as a whole played well enough uh, to win this game. I, I have no uh, complaints. You just need some creativity. You can't just run the ball down a team's throat. If you're going to run the ball 45 times a game and only have uh, 13 passes, might as well just become Army or Air Force and run the triple option. I mean... You you have the same level of creativity. Uh, you have the same level as of time of possession. You, you might as well keep the defense guessing with that instead of just run left and run right. Um, but that's besides the point. I'm not going to keep bashing the offense. I think every, everyone, I think, has their rightful opinion. I'm not going to keep uh, digging Sanford in the offense in a bigger hole. Um, what I found inter- interesting was uh, Matthew Trickett missed his uh, third field goal in his last five attempts. Uh, he probably went back to the locker room yesterday, and he's like, uh, that was the quietest missed field goal of all time. I, I don't think anyone's talking about him uh, being two for his last five. He missed a 52-yarder. Um, uh, I, I don't think that'll be a huge issue going forward. Um, He's shown he can make kicks. but 52-yarder was long. That's just a long kick for anyone to make. He was close. Uh, but he kind of got back on track in the second half of the game last week. But uh, not anything too worried about going forward. Um, there were seven total accepted penalties that the Gophers had for 71 yards. And three of those came on special teams. And just inopportune times. Um, one of those was on that uh, field goal where they had an illegal formation. Um, can't think of the other ones off the top of my head, but I remember they were just very inconvenient, inopportune times. I would assume with any football coach, p- 
penalties are correctable, and PJ would obviously like to uh, just correct those and limit those mistakes going forward. Um, so, enough with the offense and the special teams. Uh, the defense had a very interesting performance. I mean, they allowed only 14 points to Bowling Green, and seven of those came on a very short field after uh, PJ's decision to go for it on fourth and one on his own 29-yard line, if you remember that. Not good. Um, but the front seven continues to play top, top, top of the line football. Um, in the last two games, uh, there have been 45 rush attempts against Minnesota, and they've only allowed five positive yards. Five. Um, it is very, I would assume, frustrating um, to for anyone to see those statistics and see that they lo- that we lost to Bowling Green. Um, but uh, Boye Mafe and Thomas Rush both are continuing to really come into their own. Uh, Mafe has four sacks uh, this year, and Thomas Rush has three all of which came over the last two weeks. Um, Mafe, oddly, uh, is probably the best NFL prospect on this team. And for some reason, he just doesn't see the field as much as he should. Um, It's kind of odd to me that uh, he's like... I believe he didn't start, technically. Um, and he probably gets the second or third most snaps on the uh, on the edge. Um, it kind of makes no sense to me, but uh, that's besides the point. Um, the secondary did not play well again. Um, the next three Gophers opponents all rank top 37 in passing yards per game. That's um, Purdue, Nebraska, and Maryland. And Bowling Green just kind of um, picked them apart uh, with 170 yards on 19 of 35 passing. Those statistics really don't show it, but, like, the Gophers' uh, secondary was clearly their weakness in that game. Um, So it will have to improve going forward because if they play like they did that, like they did there against uh, Purdue, Nebraska, and Maryland, it will be long days against them. Um, oddly enough, um, the Gophers have allowed the 14th fewest yards per game in the entire country. Um, I thought that was an interesting statistic. Most people would obviously, on the surface, think that this defense is struggling, but their 272.8 yards per game allowed ranks 14th fewest in the country. Um, is it, that loss against Bowling Green obviously um, should be directed towards the offense and not the defense. The defense played well enough to win the game. Um, I would assume it's frustrating for anyone on the defense or as a fan to see that, but um, the defense played well. It's getting better. Uh, I just this offense. I just don't know what happened. I'm honestly speechless. I. I'm still shocked that they lost to Bowling Green. So that, that game happened. The Gophers lost to Bowling Green. What what is next? You might be asking. Um, I think a very interesting thing is if uh, you go back to 2007, um, Michigan lost to Appalachian State. If you remember, that was obviously a massive upset. Um, 
of one of the biggest upsets in the history of college football. Michigan that year went 9-4 and four and won the Citrus Bowl against number 9, Florida. Um, so, looking at the Gophers, they still have everything ahead of them. If they, if they win out, they're playing in the Big Ten Championship game. They have a very favorable schedule to get back on track. They play Purdue next week. They have a bye week, and then they play Nebraska, Maryland, Northwestern, and Illinois. And then they close the year with Iowa, Indiana, Wisconsin. There's still no reason why this team cannot be 7-2 and two going into that game. No reason. Uh, they still have the talent. They still have the players. Just because a team played poorly on one day, there, there's a reason why you play the games. Um, the better team doesn't always win. It's whoever's better that day. And Bowling Green was the better team on Saturday. That does not mean Bowling Green's a better team than the Gophers. Um, it's obviously an unacceptable loss. Um, th- there's no excuse for that. But looking at the rest of the year, there's no reason why this team can still not accomplish what they want. Uh, th- they still have everyone on the team. It's not like that Bowling Green stole their players. Um, this is still a good football team. Um, changes need to happen on offense, and I, I don't know if there will be changes on offense. Um, you just can't keep rolling out that same unit with how poorly it's been playing. But if there's a coach that can uh, not overreact to a game like this, it's P.J. Fleck. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm... Uh, obviously, my optimism is probably as low as m- most people listening to this, but uh, P.J. Fleck has shown that his teams get better as the year goes on, so hopefully this year is a bit of the same. Um, later this week, I'll uh, preview Purdue, um, but I-, I think that's about all I got for today's episode. I appreciate you listening. Um, row the boat, Sky Uma, and go Gophers. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.